Well, I'm talking to you the way I want to talk to you. Do you have a problem? Turn off your station. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, cool. So here we are, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, I had I had availability in my schedule. <laughs> really? That's I feel like that's rare nowadays to have availability. <laughs> you know, as 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 someone doing their own podcast, like even with a complete availability of schedule and just open day after open day it's still it's still hard to get two or three people together to do something like this surprisingly. yeah yeah it, it's I, I i guess that really shows like people's um willingness to want to contribute you know there's always that um that, so the modern term is called being a fucking flake and so like you know you have the availability <laughs> you have the access right and like it was a huge thing to like flake you know in 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 uh, pre-COVID times when like somebody would be like, oh, you want to go out for a beer and the bar could be like right across the street from your fucking house. It's like, oh, I can't, you know, I really don't have the time. And now it just really shows it's like, what else are you doing? So agree and and disagree. Like I, I definitely noticed that in everyone else. Yeah. I'll say for myself, uh, I was always very good at staying in, in work mode. When I had mm-hmm. a steady stream of work, yeah. uh, I treat my social life like that too. Mm. and uh, i was on time for for everything um hilton's birthday a year or two ago it was like mostly film people then and then some of his friends and all the film people were like right on time five (laughs) minutes early and then everyone else kind of like trickled in through the day holy uh, shit but no no i'm 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 prey to that too uh whether it's like getting online with my friends to play video games or um podcasts i'm on time for because i'm trying to treat this as work yeah but like everything yeah. else five ten twenty minutes late for no reason i can mm-hmm. pause the movie that i'm watching i can yeah. shower earlier whatever my excuse is it's, yeah i don't know not thrilled I, about it i personally miss the rigidity of or not the rigidity but the structure of like going to work and like having like like for me it's it's a little different than uh than like behind the camera like i can only imagine like um, I, I don't know what that life is, and, I, and I'm pretty curious about it, and I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into it in a little bit, but, like, for, for an actor, it's just, like, you know, randomly, you'll get, like, a couple auditions throughout the week, and, like, it'll be at, like, 2.15 p.m. You know, it's not anything where you have to, like, wake up at, like, 8.30 in the morning or anything like that, or, or like, when you're on set, and you have to be on set at, like, 6 a.m., and but, but in reality, you have to get up at, like, 4.30 a.m. to be able to get there at 5.45 a.m., so you're there early, but so it's, but there there was structure as an actor and going to auditions and going and like just making sure that you had everything ready and then when you do have call times and such and such and so because the the whole COVID-19 pandemic um I feel weird saying COVID-19 but the whole coronavirus pandemic has really just thrown that on its head the podcast for me has been like okay we're gonna do it right now and it's it's like up to me to be, be as punctual as possible um and not like flake on that so like this is like help keep me in check because I can easily go into oh, yeah. someone where i was like no, i'll just put it off for like another week because it, it, no one fucking knows like it, it doesn't really matter it's gonna get done and like there, there really is no um i guess deadline for anything at least for me nowadays right and yeah. uh my co-host and i are, are definitely definitely going through that same thing where it's, yeah. it's it's mostly a thing that we're doing for us so theoretically we could we can record it at any time we can release it at any time i just I know for myself, if I mm. fall behind on, on a self-scheduled task, it's easier and easier to to fall behind more. Like yeah. I've been doing 
two projects during this whole COVID. Yeah, it's weird to say, but uh, <laughs> I think we'll like shorten it even more as it goes on. The C, like, find, like, the a big C. Like a one-syllable thing for this kind of fugue state as long as it lasts. Co. Yeah, back in the C. <laughs> I don't know, 2020 is just as long as, as COVID to say. But I know that uh, for, for me, when I start falling behind on one of those projects, like it's easier and easier to fall behind. The other project I'm doing right now is I'm taking like a lot of my travels over the years uh, and like writing a sort of reductive travel guide is what I'm currently calling it. And just posting it up to Facebook with the idea of eventually compiling it into some sort of ebook. Oh, Again, it's, it's a journey for myself. This is not a business model of any kind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was doing it every day. I went through like 20 regions and I skipped a day. And I skipped another day. <laughs> I've gone through about half of them, but like it's been yeah. six days since I've written anything. And mm. by design, it's it's not a lot of work. It's yeah. like a page or two per like trip I've done or area I visited or something. Yeah. And it's something that I want to do. And it's still, I mean, it's easier to play Call of Duty, man. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to just binge Netflix as well. I don't play video games, but that was something I was like contemplating when I first uh, started to like, really noticed that this was going to last more than like a month i was like should i buy like a nintendo switch or i was like do it. time to start getting into video games man yeah yeah well <laughs> well yes yes and no because i was just like let me do that but then i then i was just like why don't i like try and like funnel my money into something else and so i started like kind of like sort of like investing in the podcast like i, I bought the the yeti mic um yeah i see that yeah, so I mean, it, it was nice, but I was just like, let me try and like invest in like things that I'm not going to kick myself in the ass for. Because I, I have like the worst attention disorder, um, where I'm just like, I can't like, I, I, I'm self diagnosed, but like, it's it's ridiculous ADD because like, I can't sit in front of a screen for too long, because I'll just start fidgeting and I have to move around like I physically have to do things. Um, and so like, I remember I had a video game in like, I don't know, fucking middle school. I had like an Xbox 360 lasted for a week. And then I was just like, I can't stare at the fucking screen anymore. I have to like move, um, which this whole COVID thing has been driving me nuts because everything is via Zoom. I was teaching a, I was teaching a summer camp for kids, uh, Shakespeare summer camp. That, that was an old gig of mine yeah. that I was able to pick back up because of like the whole Zoom um, craze with, uh, with, you know, everything being shut down. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Let me do that. And then staring at the fucking screen for like six hours a day, I was just, I was just like, I was doing shit other than like paying attention to the kids. A good thing I was just a manager. So I was like kind of chiming in and like making sure that like, you know, they had any like technical difficulties um, situated, but I was just like, oh fuck, I have to like do pushups or I have to like just pace around the room or I have to like start reading. I'd like pick up the guitar and just start playing. But the, and then I was like, no fuck, I have to manage the, 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 the students, but I couldn't stare at the screen for that long. So uh, long story short, video games is probably not it for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for, for, for me, with the exception of, of these podcasts, all the, all the Zoom meetings, uh, there's always a substitute for the things that I do in mm. real life. <laughs> That's what I've got to call non-COVID, real life. <laughs> um, that have been replaced by online things. Mm -hmm. But anything that I'm doing on a computer means I have a thousand other things that I can do with the same device. It's almost like going through work with your phone constantly in your hands. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's hit upon it a little bit more. So we're, I mean, we're talking about the big C. Um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to bring it down to one syllable. Or, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. No. Um, yeah, no, it's already taken. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. It is. Uh, the big, uh, the big, the big Rona. Uh, no. Yeah. 
we'll figure something out so yeah um this is we'll hit by the end of this oh yeah that's I'm, I'm gonna trademark the fuck out of it i have the paperwork ready <laughs> you'll be rich <laughs> i'm sure somebody's done it already in like the first that's week that's a side hustle but technically it is already brand because corona beers you know they plummeted like a significant amount like their sales have took a major hit because of it so i the the one time i've ever really fucked with stocks in my life is yeah. I, I shorted the american distributor of corona i don't even remember what it's called right now but I, I put like a couple hundreds uh against the stock yeah uh, that's that's what shorting is it's just betting that a uh, stock is going to go down i yeah, made I like 500 bucks off of that and i wish i'd wish i'd trusted myself a little bit more and go, go a little yeah. further i i wish oh, no, so, it plummeted. I did, oh did oh fuck um i i wish so when now. The Rona, yeah. I think I think people are like trying to rally around it, like ah, oh, Corona beer. Like you, you didn't do anything wrong, and like trying to coddle it and spend more money. I feel like I've seen more Coronas now than in other times. Oh, for sure. I had a couple the other day for July Fourth because America. Um, <laughs> uh, so, exactly. Uh, so we'll so we'll figure out we'll f- we'll figure out a brand name. But so the last time we saw <laughs> the last time we saw each other was uh, the alternate, and you you ended up leaving early, right? You left like uh, like a couple days before. Yeah. So the alternate was something that I was fortunate enough to to squeeze into my schedule. Um, sure. I already had because you know that that had been on the table for a long time. Caught, kept getting moved around. I mean, you know, even more than I do, it affects your schedule a lot more when a when a show yeah. gets moved. Yeah. Um, but I already had tickets to go out uh, to Egypt oh, in wow. December. Uh, so I was able to do two of the three weeks, and it was always kind of um, kind of a big if uh, if I was going to be able to do it. Um, I don't want to make that sound in any way that I think I'm too too big or too good for the alternates because this is the kind of stuff that I want to do with my career. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it is it is an indie movie. It is it is lower budgets, and if if a bigger opportunity comes up, like I would take have to it. take it. And mm-hmm. it's weird to say that, like I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Because there's nothing I want to do more than uh, work on a a movie that feels like it. It feels like that film school vibe, but everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone yeah. is a professional, yeah. especially when you got like Hilton and Mina and just everyone just running the Fuck ship yeah. tight. Yeah. 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 Shout out Hilton. That's- I had him on the podcast about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. I'm oh, yeah. Track that's- of time. That's that's why I'm here. I didn't I didn't know you had a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm I saw so, Hilton post that up. I'm like hell yeah. I'll I'm really talk about I'm, anything. Uh, yeah, no, Hilton. I I'm, that was one of Hilton is just a great dude to talk to. I wish I had more time on the alternate to talk to him, but he was always doing his fucking job because he's really he good at his job. He's always moving around. Uh, you got to really like get in his way to talk to him and and trade jokes. Oh which yeah, which I can yeah. do, but like yeah. you can't really turn that. I never yeah. got to talk to you either, man. I know, first, I know. This is our longest conversation already. <laughs> I know, it's, it sucks. It doesn't suck because, like, everyone was doing their job. I was trying to respect that, too, because, like, I, I, I was telling Hilton this uh, when, when I was talking to him, but I, I'll, t- I'll tell it to you as well. It's just I respect everyone um, so much that works on camera that's behind the camera because, like, I mean, when you're growing up, when you're watching it, like, I, I fell in love with film and um, TV and film, which is why I wanted to become an actor. Then somehow I got into theater, um, and then and then back into film. Um, but it was I I fell in love with film and television. But when I started working on it, I started having so much more of an appreciation 
for everyone that's not an actor because they'd never get the amount of praise. I mean, they get like, you know, maybe like, you know, in, in the credits at the beginning, but most likely toward the end now, because like, it, maybe it's like the older films who have like all the credits at the beginning, but nobody watches that shit anymore. Um, but like, you see all these names and it kind of just like goes by you. But then like, when you're on an actual set, like you, I don't really do that much work, man. Like, it's like, I do a lot of work, but like uh, most of my work is prep for that day. So like on the day, all it is is me just kind of just like, you know, taking a breath and, you know, centering myself and then doing all the work that was like sort of like planned out ahead and, you know, making adjustments on the fly with the director, depending on like how he sees the vision. But like you guys are there and like, you know, I would do my thing for like 30 minutes, but then you guys would like be doing everything for like three hours. And I was just like, I, like I would, I would stay out of everyone's way because I didn't want to get in anyone's way because I was like, you guys are all fucking working. But like, I would like watch from afar. I was like, you guys are fucking badass. You guys are working all day and night from like before I get there to after I get there. Like you guys are fucking badass. Everyone that's behind the camera. So um, I don't remember what the whole fucking point of that was. But oh, it, it was because I wanted to talk to everyone. But I, I just knew that you guys were working your asses off, and I wanted to respect that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same way around. I mean, even if, um, if 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 what you do is mostly is mostly prep work, there's still mm -hmm. a lot of just not getting frustrated when you have to do things four or five yeah. times because one of us screws up, or just like the natural process of film where you're just like, gotta do it from another angle, gotta do it as the yeah. other person, gotta do, you know, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to do as many things as yeah. you have to do. Yeah. But uh, it's 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 the same in the reverse. We try not to talk too much to the actors because we just, we just don't want to take away from what's in their head. Yeah. And especially, especially on serious films, like behind the camera, the stuff that you don't see is usually just nonstop jokes. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a fun time that you're missing, but like yeah. Yeah. being a part of it would probably take away from what you're doing. Uh, I would say yes. And, and no, I mean, that's, that's, I hate, I hate yes and no answers. Um, but I mean, nothing is ever black and white, but I, I would say yes. in the fact that like, I just need to have the discipline in order to stay away when I know that I can't focus, but also like engaging. So like what, what, what I do as an actor and like, I'm so like, I, I went to school and I studied it and there, there, there's like a very like bougie way to think about acting. And, you know, you, you see all those method actors and, you know, people are just like, don't fucking talk to me. Like I'm, I'm in my zone. Right. But like the basic thing of what we do is communicating with people. Right. And so the, the easiest way to exercise that, even if it's outside of the context of the scene is by communicating with people. And a lot of actors fail to remember that is that what we're doing is we're just, we're communicating with one another. We're listening. And so one of the best things that I can do is like, if I do all the work in advance and I do all the work in order to center myself, like if I take the time necessary to like, just be able to like, you know, take a breath, kind of center myself, remember what's going on, remember the, remember the context of the scene, remember what my objective in the scene is, remember who I'm talking to, remember to just listen to what the other person is saying, because sometimes actors just want to say things without actually listening, but acting is reacting. If I can remember all of that, if I can keep that discipline, then I definitely do want to communicate with everyone on set, because again, that's just me practicing what the base of like what I do is, is is literally just just communicating and learning to listen and whenever I talk to someone it, it's especially like really helpful for this podcast too and just communicating with someone communicating ideas um because again like in, in essence like what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to I guess you know I'm trying to edify you on like my process right and then you know that's an objective I'm trying to do something to you I'm trying to you know make something happen in you where you like you now understand this right so that's just 
that but that's what we're doing in the scene yeah, too. I'll know how to act by the end of this. Exactly. No, but it's it's truly it's truly that basic, and a lot of actors, you know, forget it because they're like, I need to really get, I need to get really somber. I need to do all this shit. And sometimes you may need to do something along those lines where you just kind of just zone everyone out and just like try to put yourself in a mood. But it's it's really not. I don't ever want to be the actor on set who says, "Don't talk to me. I'm in my zone." Like if I'm in my zone, you'll know I'm in my zone because like my energy will be pointing that way. But I also never want to do it in a dickish way because at the end of the day, we're all working towards the same goal. And I think I, I would expect that everyone on set would also understand, like to know like when, okay, probably not. Cause like, he's like, he's like, he's like this right now. You know, his energy is, is forward. It's not really as open. Um, it's not that he's being a dick. It's just that he's like very focused. And I think working with all you guys on that. And I've been on a lot of sets where people just know that, but that's because you've been around the block. So you understand, but I want to communicate with everyone, man. Like I want to make all the jokes. Like I felt left out so many times on set, but it was okay. Cause like, I understood, like, I can't, I can't be there because like you guys are working. Maybe you're doing another scene. Like that's not for me, but like, I would want to talk to everyone all the time because again, it's just me practicing the fundamentals of what I'm already doing just in a different context. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you, I'm curious if you've had like an awkward experience with a method actor, the way that, the way you're talking about it. You know, my, my partner, who's actually also a performer too, she's a dancer, actor, um, and uh, that's what I label, label her. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to hype her up. Um, but she, she showed me like a meme this morning of, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, I think it was a Jane Austen. No, it wasn't Jane Austen. Who's, who's that, who's that actor in The 40 Year Old Virgin, the one who's like, uh oh yeah i'm not forget 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 her name jane something but it it was just like a remember it if she was in more things right now yeah (laughs) lynch jane lynch jane lynch yeah but she has like this like very like a devious face on and the caption was method actors ready to make the set a very toxic environment and i was just i was just going and it was this morning i was like huh have i ever like ran across a method actor and the answer is no i've never ran across a method actor as a matter of fact i feel like a lot of people would that I, that I've come across would like consider me somewhat that because like sometimes I need to just like go in a corner and like get myself in a certain headspace and really think about all of the details because it's really just about details. Um, but I've never run into like the um, the asshole. Um, what the fuck is his name? Brokeback Mountain. No, he wasn't in Brokeback. He was in Dallas Buyers Club. He was the second to last Joker. Jared Leto, where he's like sending rats to people on set. Huh? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, I didn't lead with Joker for a reason (laughs) because he wasn't. He wasn't the greatest Joker. But like, but yeah, fourth most famous Joker too. He's the fourth most famous. But all of it rang hollow because like he was just being a dick and like his performance. it, It mostly rang hollow because his performance was awful. Um, but then you'll see, but, th- but then there's a different method actor like Heath Ledger. And we're, I mean, we're going to stay on the same character topic of, of the Joker who he wasn't addicted to people. As a matter of fact, he's a sweetheart. Heath Ledger was known as a sweetheart on set, but what he did is he did his work beforehand and he locked himself in a fucking hotel and he drove himself fucking crazy, but he, he wasn't a dick towards anyone. And so like, I haven't ran into the Jared Leto dick, um, method actor or even, or not even like Robert De Niro is considered a method actor, but like he, apparently he was like the sweetest guy on set during Raging Bull. Like after he slapped the shit out of his his, his co-star in one of the scenes, like really slapped. Like he was just like, oh shit, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, so I've I've never ran into that type of actor. Thank God, because that it would piss me off and we would get into an argument like that. 
I, I just, I hate when people are, are, especially actors, because actors already have like such a, the, the term actor is already such a loaded term, especially on set. And they already have such a, I, I feel like in a lot of uh, circles, they have such a negative, a negative uh, stigma around them. And I, I don't like to see that. And I don't like to um, push that um, narrative either. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ran into any method actors? So, I mean, most of my career has been spent on the sort of sets where, uh, I don't know, they're not big enough for people to get away with that sort of bad behavior. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not yeah. going to hire someone on to be a method actor on, like, a twenty to $50,000 movie or something. Yeah. Uh, now, some of the bigger sets, I mean, what's, what's much more common, and I don't know if this would go into the method acting category, but one of the first questions I'll ask an actor if I'm meeting them on the first day of set is, do you want me to call you by your name or your character name? Uh, because that. Yeah. that is much more common where someone will want to go the whole shoot responding to their character. Um, definitely nothing against that. I, uh, yeah. So like the first day on, on Last Black Man, I had missed one of the meetings with the actors. So I was meeting Jonathan Majors for the first time. And I was, I was micing them up. I just called him Jonathan. And uh, I don't know if you've gotten the chance to, to see that film. Seen but it yet, like no. how he is that sort of muted, understated, awkward performance is how he was the entire the entire set. He's still still sweetheart, still generous. I don't I don't have a bad thing to say about Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Except he did slap me when I said that. He slapped <laughs> you? In on the chest. I shouldn't even call it this. I just kinda like, mm -hmm. uh didn't, didn't call him Jonathan again. <laughs> called him Montgomery the rest of the shoots. It's not like a great start. Yeah. And it is saying that like, you know, my acting and my method is, is more important to me than you not wanting to be hit in this moment. Um, yeah. I would say he, he made up for that during the shoot by just, by just being a great guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's the time I forgot to ask that question. Somehow everyone else on set knew to call Jonathan and I didn't, and it was the first day. I'm not sure how that happened. Or knew to call him Montgomery, yeah. and I didn't. Yeah. That's, 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 I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard for me. It's like, it's, uh, it's also the thing where, like, actors, like, there's a first team, like, eats first. I hate that shit, because in, in my mind, I want to be, oh, yeah. you know, one, one of the, one, one of the, I want to just be one of the guys on set, because, like, I know how to get where I need to be. And if I need to get there, I will get there. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter if Sage, the um, sound operator, is that, is, is that the proper term to call your to sound operator? Uh, I'd go sound mixer. I mean, sound like mixer. on placards, it's going to be like yeah. production sound mixer. Yeah. Sound I don't think there is a right way. I'm so used to being like one man bands on like smaller commercials and jobs where you just get in vans with four or five people and you get out, you do a little bit of work, you get in a van and on those, it just says sound. So <laughs> whatever you want to call me, I'll correct you if I hate it, but right. most of them are fine. I'll, st I'll stick with sound mixer. I like, I like the sound of yeah. that uh, personally, but also uh, because you said it, but I like, it doesn't matter to me if Sage, the sound mixer calls me Ed because I am Ed. I am Ed because I'm not in a scene with anyone like me and sage the sure. sound mixer aren't in a scene so like we're just on the outside but like if i'm in a scene and someone just calls me ed first of all it's stupid because most likely my character's name is not ed but also because at the end of the day we're playing pretend and i think 
I mean, some, I guess, I guess it does take some people to get there. And like, I just, I don't know the process. I also haven't seen his performance, so I can't like have a, have a personal opinion on it, but the, it always brings me back to um, this quote by, um, it's a famous stage actor. I, I forget his name, Lawrence Olivier, um, who was this very famous stage actor around the same time that Marlon Brando was, you know, taking over film. Uh, he was really big back in the day. And um, I, it, it, he was on a movie set and there was some young actor, I think it was like Charlie Sheen or Emilio Estevez, one of those fucking um, toxic one brothers. One of the, one of the Sheens or, the, or, or technically the Estevez's because uh, Sheen is not his real last name, I think. Or, or maybe it was Charlie Sheen. No, who's the father? I actually don't remember which, what it is, the Martin Sheen. Who might Martin, Martin Sheen. Estevez. I I Martin Estevez. I think, it was, I think it was their father. And he had like, it was a scene where he was like supposed to have not have slept for like three days or some crazy shit like that. And he actually did not sleep for three days or something. Apocalypse Now that we're talking about? Maybe, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't think it is Apocalypse Now because Lawrence Olivier wasn't in that. That was Brando. Uh, but, it, but it was a scene where he was supposed to be like just sleep deprived. And like, there are ways you can get there, right? Maybe like, there are just different ways you can get there, right? And if you actually like learn to like, you know, treat your body properly, first of all, you're not going to uh, fucking burn out by the time you're like 60 or something like that. But he, he had done that and then he couldn't do the scene because he had not slept for three days. And Laurence Olivier right. said something along the lines of, it's called acting. Like, it, you're, it's, it's not real. It's not fucking real. It's not fucking real. And, and like, you know, to, to, to get there, and again, it's, it's, just, it's, it's the qualities. Like, what are the qualities of someone who hasn't slept for three days? You want to sleep. You're fighting your eyes open, right? And so when you start to learn those qualities, then you don't have to have actually gone through that experience. And, and it's, 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 it's a lot. I have a lot of opinions about it, obviously, but um, yeah, no. So <laughs> I, I never want to come across as, as that asshole. And if, if someone wants to call me by my name, like I'm, I'm perfectly okay, but also like to each his own. I don't know. I don't know what Jonathan's process is. Maybe it just helps him more. I, I don't fucking know, but um, yeah, just, yeah. Just, would, it have, yeah. would it have confused you at all to be called Jake in a movie where you were playing two different Jakes? No, because both characters' names are Jake. And the thing is too, like I, I'm so, I'm so filed. Like the thing is too, like I, for me, everything is like everything has to be tactile. And like when you're on set like that, like if someone's calling me Jake, but they don't know which Jake, well, or you would, you would know which Jake because by the clothes I'm wearing. I think I guess the only time it would ever get confusing is like when I was like one Jake looking like the other Jake or vice versa. But at this, at the end of the day, like my name is still Jake because there's just two different Jakes, right? And then, but but also like, I would know because I would know what Jake I'm playing in the moment. So I don't, I don't know. I just think I, I think it's always the, the actor's responsibility to like get where he needs to be. And I feel like a lot of actors blame other people. It's like you're getting me out of my zone. Blah 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 blah. blah. Shut the fuck up. That's that's my opinion on it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's let's talk about, more about you, man. Um, so, right. fuck. Like, what? So what? If, so you went to Egypt. Why did you go to Egypt? Um. All right. So I've 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 been fortunate enough to do a, a fair amount of of traveling in my life. It's something mm -hmm. that uh, my parents, especially my mom, instilled in me when I was younger. Uh, when I was when I was sixteen, we went to Costa Rica, and basically every winter. First off, uh, I'm from Alaska. I'm, I'm not oh. sure if we've ever gotten to to talk no. about that. 
but one of the biggest things about being from Alaska is if you can leave in the winter for any amount of time, you should. <laughs> and it's not it's not the heat, it's the sunlight. Like you need to you need to recharge. Yeah. Um, and most of the time that was to go visit like family in in Hawaii or in uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at some point, mom really decided that she wanted to learn Spanish for for work. She's a teacher, mm. not not a Spanish teacher, but uh, there's just a lot of kids from all over the world in Anchorage. It ended up being kind of like a political asylum city, so it's got like a large Samoan and Hmong population. Oh, wow! And certainly, she taught at one of the poorer schools. So mm. uh, anyway, long story short, she thought uh, Spanish would really benefit her. Yeah. Um, and that more or less meant i got to had to learn spanish got to i don't know <laughs> yeah uh so we'd go to spanish school in costa rica guatemala i ended up living in ecuador for for a short amount of time um all these places that i'd never thought about when i was really young yeah uh, the three places that i wanted to go the most when i was young didn't know much about the world except that these places existed was barcelona venice and Egypt. Mm. And that's what this trip was, by the way. I started in Barcelona, then I went to Venice, then I went to Egypt. And it was kind of like, all the places I've been fortunate to go, why have I skipped on the original plan? Uh, So, I mean, that's that's the long answer. Yeah. The short answer is I played the shit out of Assassin's Creed Origins, which takes place in Egypt. <laughs> and that kind of rekindled my love of all of it, especially discovering, um, I mean, most of what we're taught about Egypt. I mean, in America, we're not taught a lot about African history in general, but a lot of no. Egypt does slip in. I don't know if it's that if it's just because of its proximity to Roman culture or just because like there mm. are things in Egypt that are too big to ignore yeah like you you can't not talk about the pyramids yeah or like that religious system or cleopatra whereas you i'm not, i'm certainly not justifying skipping like sudanese history or anything sure uh well now i've got to be really careful what i say we should also be learning those things yeah but yeah. it's like you couldn't even with the cruelest of intentions dismiss or push aside egypt history yeah it's just uh, like architectural but, ingenuity i guess at the base yeah. of it yeah yeah and um uh but we learn mostly about lower egypt which is the the northern half of egypt to make things complicated uh, the <laughs> lower yeah the upper no yes the lower part of the Nile, basically. And then the upper part is the southern part of Egypt. And that's actually where, like, King Tut's tomb is and, uh, like, the Temple of Horus and Isis. Okay. And, uh, like, most of the cool stuff. Yeah. And somehow I hadn't known about that geography until I played this game I'm talking about, uh, which had a DLC where you go to kind of Valley of the Kings where a lot of the pharaohs and King Tut are buried. And uh, they've got, like, portals to the afterlife, and you have to, like, fight mummies gone crazy. It's, it's a video game. It's very dumb. So, but, um, but it was very, I guess, like, geographically accurate. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, not necessarily, like, the distance between things, but they've got, like, replicas <laughs> of the temples. Jumping from pyramid and, to pyramid. Uh, yeah, and looking, I mean, the game takes place during Roman times, so even then, the pyramids are two to 4,000 years old, whereas now they're, like, four to six. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But some of the stuff is like a hundred years old. Some of it's like 
the the white shiny marble that's been faded over time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've always wanted to go to Egypt. That was a shorter answer. <laughs> well, what's the coolest thing you learned while you were in Egypt? I've I've never been overseas. Just like a disclaimer, the the only place I've ever been oh, that's yeah? literally all outside of this continent is Puerto Rico because uh, I'm first generation Puerto Rican, and so it's just like a yeah. rite of passage to go to the homeland. Um, but I've never been overseas. Uh, what did I learn most in each? All right, so like in in Upper Egypt. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say Southern Egypt because I'm gonna trip myself up and I'm definitely gonna confuse. I'm already tripping. <laughs> somewhere yeah, exactly. somewhere in Egypt. So Southern Egypt down down the Nile. Um, Egypt uh, made a big dam. I'm still not certain why they actually did that. I don't understand like the environmental and agricultural challenges, but basically they can control the Nile and the flooding now. Huh. They did this in the 70s, and there was a giant international effort um, to move a lot of these old uh a lot of these old sites and temples and statues especially the most famous ones the uh abu symbol which is the temple of ramses second or i mean there's there's like 30 temples of ramses second but this is the big one um and like all all sorts uh all sorts of countries made a collaborative unesco efforts to move some 70 sites some of them are literally just moved like 200 meters. Some of them are moved uh, like many kilometers out of the flood path. Mm. Um, so you can go like six hours out of Aswan, which is kind of the southernmost city on the Nile in Egypt. You just take a bus and it'll take you to kind of the middle of nowhere where there's a temple where it doesn't seem like there should be a temple because there shouldn't be a temple there. Mm. And it's it's littered with that. And uh, what they talk about less is, so if Egypt decides to put a dam on their border with Sudan, guess what that does to Sudan? Floods them. Floods the shit out of them. And there are so uh... many more forts and monuments uh, going into like Nubian society and uh, mm. the north part of Sudan. That's just flooded and... I don't really get a say in this. And you see this all over the world, especially like who controls water rights. If Laos is going to dam up the Mekong, what does that do to Vietnam? And I think there is like a, I think that's an actual thing that's happening. I think there's a giant Chinese hydroelectric project in Laos going on. Mm. Or even as simple with like the Colorado River, we've seen stuff like that happen. um, Where a dam might provide a lot of electricity for a state and its neighbors, but you know, Texas doesn't necessarily get a say in what Colorado does at its mm. source of the river. Yeah. And I'm sure environmentally that's a lot easier to coordinate when you're a part of the same country. But uh, yeah, Sudan really got, gets screwed over. I, I encourage anyone listening to this, uh, just ask Hilton next time you see him. He'll, he'll love to talk about the Nubia project and Save Sudan and all the stuff that's gone on with this dam. Yeah, that's fucking awesome, man. I I I really love talking to to people like you and, and Hilton, who seem I don't know like what Hilton's traveling looks like, but just who seem like very connected with the the world at large. Because I, I I've always been very like centered in American history, like since since I was a child. Because I I was born in Connecticut, and Connecticut is one of the original colonies, and so like everything over there is just very colonial, right? I mean, we we still have like you know, George Washington statues. And I think one of the towns in, in the state that I grew up in is like 
their their living pride is like during the Revolutionary War, George Washington stayed at an inn there. It's like not even really an inn. It's like a bar now. But like that, it's just so centered in that. It's so it's almost egotistical, like just being around that that part of the world, or at least of this country. And one of my biggest things has has been wanting to like you know broaden my horizon on like the knowledge of the world at large, because obviously before we came over here and colonized the shit out of everything and just started just taking everything and manifest destiny and all this bullshit. I mean, there was like thousands of years of history of world history happening on the other side um, of the fucking ocean. But something that's even more interesting is like, there's so much lost history here. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you talk about Egypt and I'm glad you're talking about uh, like, you know, seeing all these monuments because especially in South America, but also in North America as well, because they didn't have written history there's a lot that has been lost and they're, they're, that they're starting to uncover especially like in terms of like the equivalent to like you know egyptian pyramids um here in in south america uh, on that continent and up here in north america too especially like in the midwest they're starting to uncover it but obviously there's no like written documentation of it and so like we're literally sitting on thousands of years of history that just hasn't been recorded in the same way um yeah but with that being said, I just I, I think it's 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 very important just for for anyone. It doesn't matter what your profession is to just have a well-rounded knowledge of like the history of the world or just like things going on outside of your um, immediate um, I guess homeland. Um, and so I respect that, and that's something that I envy and want to do myself. One of the one of the things that that fascinates me the most about the world and history is whatever idea you have of history mm -hmm. of, of how people moved around and got from one place to another it's it's not wrong it is only a part of yeah. the greater story skewed um, yeah like, yeah no i mean there's there's evidence that people could have gotten to south america from like um why am i why am i from alaska from, the, from, from the bering strait from alaska yeah. from africa from all over there were yeah. so many availabilities and so many stories that are lost like I don't know. That's what I'm. I'm constantly fascinated. I'll give. I'll give an example. Um, one of the favorite places I've ever been that I would love to go back to is the Republic of Georgia, which is like northeast of Turkey. It's kind of in between the Caspian and the Black Seas. It's the Caucasus. Okay. It's where Armenia and Azerbaijan those make up the the Caucasus, and that is where wine is from. Mm. And I I relate this to what I was talking about. Because this is wait wine like the the, the drink wine like wine yeah okay uh, where is but it's it's a different type of grape because that's huh. that's what was grown yeah. there and it was like buried and fermented so like they'd actually yeah they they'd put them in casks and they'd put them underground and we mm. know this because they found caves that have like wine residue that date back to eight thousand years old. But at a certain point, we thought we thought it was in Armenia because we found a cave there that was 7,000. And that kind of went back and forth for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll find something older in Armenia and then back in Georgia. And then maybe China will have one that's 11,000 years old that'll just yeah. blow everyone's minds. That's, yeah. that's purely hypothetical. But like new information about just the shape of the world. Yeah. Uh, geographically, geologically uh anthropologically it's just it's constantly shifting yeah i mean I it's what, not changing what we know about it is yeah I, I think one of the craziest things that i saw recently was this, this whole documentary on um because of the ability to carbon date they found um 
fossils in in America that just helped um, I guess push the narrative that um, people were here before what they anticipated was the crossing of the Bering Strait that started the migration uh, to South America. And so they were like, well, no, this like this this precedes that. And so because of carbon dating, because of like new technology and their ability to do that, like they're not, no, there was like a whole civilization here before that. And they were, they most likely clashed, if anything, and probably like um, uh, um, mated with each other. This is, this, <laughs> this is my, yeah, definitely. <laughs> this is, this is me mating things it's just my hands. clapping his wrists together yeah and so and so it's just it's just so fascinating that's how i do it too ed don't worry yeah no this is just like do you want to do you want to mate is he... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah man so i'm, I'm ridiculously fascinated in that and like i i've always been like wanting to like go um go 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 towards a eastern civilization um but because of everything happening now and because of like my own um curiosities into um so like over the past year, I've been mostly like looking into the past or, or the 19th century of, of America's history with Puerto Rico since, um, since they came over and, and took Puerto Rico from Spain. Um, and so I've been looking at that past hundred years, but like then it goes even further. And then like you start to learn more things about like, you know, um, the first people to actually come to um, the Caribbean and like how, how Columbus, you know, first initially brought like the first couple million slaves to the Caribbean. And so Puerto Rico, Cuba, Dominican Republic, um, and so like, that's been fascinating me the most of just like how like people have gotten there. And so I feel like every, every, like every year I go back like another hundred years. Um, yeah, there's just, a, there's just a lot of history here. And I, I've been reading a book recently. I forget what the fucking book was called, but it was just talking about the, the initial colonization of the people of South America and how so far advanced that that civilization was. I mean, they had, um, irrigation systems. And it's like, we're, we're talking about like hundreds of years old and you're just like, what the fuck? So like they had the equivalent um, outside of like metal um, to, to, to Europe at the time. And so like you, you, you never hear about them because again, they don't have the written history, but yeah, no, it's just, it's just really fascinating. I wish we uh, knew how to do, have you heard of, wow, what's it called? HIPAA? Um, oh. well, I'm probably missing it. So like across South America in, in lieu of written history, and uh, like reinforcing what I was saying earlier, there yeah. could have been written history that's just lost. True, but there true. definitely was like, like it, it's rope talk for, for lack of a, of a more mature term um, where they would, they would weave in patterns and those patterns were signals and did correspond to, to other things. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's art, but it's also writing. Yeah. Um, and who knows what else? Yeah, maybe 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 somebody's going to be able to, to translate it soon because they 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 are finding like um, paintings and sculptures and maybe inside of that is some sort of insignia in which they can start to like translate and like then find the story inside. So you're right. I mean the the whole ideal of symbolism be, being the written narrative. What is the most go on a plane again? <laughs> I, I oh my god I can't I can't wait I'm I'm actually going back home uh back to Connecticut next week and like because of everything happening right now and just like me rethinking history and also I saw Hamilton the other day um because yeah. like everyone and like I love the musical I love it but it's just it's like it's a it's a huge thing right now to like go back and just think about all of the like the founding fathers and like what they really represented and like there's nothing in Connecticut that's going to tell me otherwise that oh these guys were fucking amazing but it's going to be interesting to go back with like a more critical eye and look at these things and be like well fuck that guy he was a slave owner or or just just have a a, a more well-rounded opinion 
they all fucking were, which which upsets me the most. Um, I've been reading the People's History of the United States, and like apparently to everyone, they've read it like a thousand times. But um, I was telling someone the other day, I, I had a really shitty education, and so like I'm just coming across most of these texts for the first time as an adult. Um, but it's just going back, and it's it's just looking at those founding fathers and and the start of this country with a ridiculously critical eye. And like right now, I'm at like the point where they're talking about landlords and how like they would only they would underpay their workers and only pay, pay them in scribe that they can only use at at places owned by the landlords. And I'm just like like just the whole fodder, the 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 yeah, that's the, that's just indentured servitude, right? Yeah, but the the whole idealistic like. I guess image of what the country is has all been bullshit and somehow it's serendipitously turned into something that's sort of okay you know that's kind of manageable to where we have like a say but honestly it's all by chance like it wasn't that at first like the whole idea of like a constitution and equality was literally a facade of control and like it's blowing my mind as a 27 year old man (laughs) and i'm so upset um but it, but it's also like not the first of its kind. Like it, it, it's it was definitely used in governments before. Um, but it's just it's just more of a it's it's like the biggest piece of propaganda in in history, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, or at least the the longest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the most the most successful. Um, yeah. Hopefully until now. Um, but yeah, so I, I <laughs> so all right, so so we talked about um, Egypt and and why you went, and so like that's awesome, man. Like I just have that much more respect for you because I, I just think that anyone that travels and like is just like hungry for information is fucking dope, um, and that's something that I strive to do myself. Uh, hopefully, when when the Rona, when the big R, when the big nineteen is over. Um, so what what got you into sound mixing, and how did you like come about? Like, is it is it something you've always been trying to do, or did you kind of stumble upon it, and then you realized that you loved it, and now you're here? How'd you start? A little a little bit of of all the things you've said. Like, I kind of just always knew I wanted to be in film. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was you know when I was really young, there was a fame component to it. I wanted to be famous. I wanted uh, people to to know who I am. So I wanted yeah. to be like an actor or a director without truly understanding what those things meant. Yeah. Uh, turns out I can't really do either of those things. Uh, I did I did a lot of theater when I was younger. Loved it through high school, even a little bit of college. Um, and I was never able to translate that into in front of the camera. I am always still to this day just aware that there is a camera and that is somehow an unnatural thing. And I can't be, I can't be, well, I was going to say be myself, but I can't be anybody in front of a camera with, yeah. with it feeling authentic. I figured that out really fast. Um, and, you know, I always wanted to contribute to storytelling, uh, either as a writer, as a director. And those things fell short for different reasons. My degree is actually uh, in screenwriting. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That's um, awesome, dude. And that's more of a discipline thing than anything. Is yeah. just, I feel like I, I, I acknowledge that I would, I would fail at the actual discipline that it takes to write every day and to try to pitch and, like, the actual reality of being a professional screenwriter is much harder than a lot of the other jobs in this field yeah Um, directing was a similar approach where i acknowledged that like to make it as a director you kind of have to put it all in finance your own movie and then get lucky and like that was that was always more risk than i was able to take Mm -hmm. um so i i graduated film school didn't really have 
an idea. I went to, to film school, Eastern Washington University. I call it a film school. It's a it's a school with a with a film building. <laughs> I feel like the same way about the school I went to. Yeah, <laughs> kind of class of twenty people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and every every graduating class is a is a variance in quality. Mm. Uh, we all kind of collaborated and made some some good stuff. Uh, I'm gonna say the year before us didn't try that hard i watched their capstones mm. not very good the year after us phenomenal i want to follow up with some of those people and see how successful they've become that's awesome um i got on a bike and i just went on a trip down the coast a bicycle i uh took my bicycle up to vancouver and then i went down with the intention to go all the way down to mexico i never actually made it past san francisco because i kind of <laughs> just fell back in love with the city that i'd spent a lot of time in as a kid yeah. And uh, decided to move there. Um, but along the way, I stopped in Seattle for a while, mm. um, a city that I'd obviously visited many times in college because it's like it's the bigger cultural center and it's like three, four hours away from Spokane. Mm. Uh, and I worked on a little cabin in the literally a cabin in the woods movie mm-hmm. uh, as the sound mixer, which the fact that there are. I'm not even going to say hiring, that they're allowing someone to do sound who has never done it before should tell you a lot about the production in general. <laughs> but it's it was a continuation of that sort of film school bullshit that I that I done at a, at a poorer school. Yeah. It's, it's fun. I'm glad to be there. I don't have any costs during this time because at least I'm sleeping somewhere and being fed. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I got to work on uh, another movie as a boom op for an actual sound mixer and I started to understand it a little bit better and by the third or fourth time I did that not only did I enjoy it but like I'm good at it yeah. and this is this is a career I can make I can take a little bit of the money that I saved up in college buy a kit um, there's more money in it than I expected there's less competition um, mm. and I like it so if I really want a career in film uh, I should do that And that second one that I'm talking about, by the way, had like one of my favorite actors from Game of Thrones in it. Oh, which one? A couple of other. uh, Aiden Gillen. um, Who's he play? I don't know. Peter Carchetti from The Wire. He's uh, Peter Baelish, Littlefinger. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know him from The Wire first and foremost. I've never seen The Fucking Wire, man. Oh, man. I know. How, How many... How often do you get yelled at about that? You know, not that often because because I, I, I I've seen The Sopranos twice, um, and I feel like The Sopranos is the more superior show, in my opinion. It is. Um, I wouldn't know because I've never you seen, the wire. seen The Wire. <laughs> I um, completely disagree. I think I tried once, and like the first like five minutes threw me off for some reason. I just have to be like in a certain mood to like actually watch it. But uh, The yeah, Wire I, is hard to start. It absolutely is. I don't really think it gets great till season three. I don't like that's a lot of fucking people, and I still think it's incredible. Yeah, uh, but it's just it's a different form of storytelling. Whereas I that still hasn't been outdone. Whereas I feel Sopranos was incredible for its time. I haven't been able to finish The Sopranos. I've done a couple false starts. First what? time I just watched one season. I'm like, I don't love this. And then in my mid twenties, I watched like three seasons. Like it's great, but it is set the it has set a standard that I think shows have surpassed since. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I yeah, think it's also aged gracefully because I didn't watch it until like three years ago, 
um because i was i think i was too young first of all we were too poor to have hbo but also like i was too young to watch it and like i remember the controversy behind the final episode and when i saw it considering everything leading up to it i was like that was fucking beautiful you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah but i think I mean, you're I right watched... no sh shows have surpassed it yeah, yeah. I did skip to the finale on that just because of what's going on. I don't think it spoiled me for the rest of the show if I do want to go back and watch it. I love yeah. that. Yeah. There's so many of these controversial finales I I love as a work of art. I love that shows are still doing risky finales yeah. um, that aren't like a kid waking up and it's all in his snow globe or just stuff ridiculous <laughs> stuff like that. Like still fits the story world itself. It yeah. isn't just like now people will I don't, which, which, which show was that? Was that Saint Elsewhere? It's, that's like the biggest thing I know about the show is that it actually all took place in an autistic kid's snow globe. Oh, shit. I'm sure I have most of these adjectives wrong. But I've like never, was, I've never a, seen it, so now I know that. There was a famous 80s drama that at the very end of the finale, it's revealed that the entire thing took place in a snow globe. That that much information, I'm sure. It's like a big fucking. And I think if you were to do that at the end of like Breaking Bad, or, <laughs> or anything, might have worked in How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Breaking Bad was such a good show that if that had happened, I would. I feel like everyone would be so puzzled and they would still be trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, which is also, I I think finales are so overrated because like the I think the heart of the show is in the middle, right? It's in the meat of it, like. You never like yeah. look forward to the end of your meal, right? Like you don't want it to finish. And so you want to savor it as much as possible. Um, but like, I don't look forward to like not having any more food, you know? Um, and so like when, when the whole controversy, and I actually wanted to ask you, speaking of finales uh, of like Game of Thrones, like happened, you know, everyone was in an uproar and I was like, well, I, they kind of ended the way like the whole show kept unfolding, right? Like, it's like the, you wouldn't, yeah. there were some loose ends, but also like, I never thought that Brandon, I, I'm just trying to remember the names. It's been like a year and a half since I saw the finale. Is it Brandon, the, the, the guy with no fucking legs anymore? Is it, was it? Yeah, Brand the Broken. Bra yeah, Brand the Broken. I was just like, well, I, I had no idea he was going to be fucking king, so that fucking shocked me. It's like, you know, when I saw the yeah. Red Wedding, I was just like, I didn't know everyone was about to get their fucking necks sliced open. I didn't think he was yeah, going to be king. You didn't know if she was going to get stabbed to the baby? No, no. <laughs> and and also and also like um uh, for John to be exiled to like beyond the wall. I was like, oh, that's kind of fitting. That's where he belongs. He's oh, a that fucking was, bastard. That was perfect. Um, yeah, I I understand and acknowledge so many of the problems. I think what they wrote down to be like the final season. I think all of those ideas, almost all of those ideas, work. I think for a show that was so wonderfully glacially paced in revealing mm -hmm. information and yeah. developing characters for it to, it really did like three seasons in like six episodes. Hey, sorry, I'm talking to my dog. <laughs> okay. I thought you were subtly very passionate about Game of Thrones. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> it's fine to, hey. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. So, I mean, I defend it more than but I, I don't I don't waste my breath defending it because I think it was an error to not have it be multiple seasons, not give us more, and to not yeah. to not just show us people talking while they're traveling on a wagon. Because suddenly, a show that would have a whole season about where one person's arc is really just them getting from point A to point B, and you know, learning stuff, making friends along the way, and yeah, crying yeah. as they get murdered because they made 
lacked human connection and that that's the that's the flaw of westeros <laughs> i i think the one thing that maybe was under underserved was like the defeat of the night king maybe that i think that was the only thing that was like really just like well, then, oh it's all gone like i was expecting him to pop back up at some moment like toward yeah. the end um but it never yeah. happened so like the idea the ideas are correct, but are the order that they that they happen in the most fulfilling is yeah, how yeah. they're paced out working. And I'd I'd argue no, yeah. but uh, I can I can defend almost every point with a bunch of ifs. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's still a disappointment, but like it doesn't spoil the rest of the show. And I have friends who won't watch it because they don't like how it finished, and I'm like. The journey's great for ninety six percent of it. That doesn't untether. I don't know. I that's don't, that's. I hate that. Yeah, that's where I think I think that's just the the nature of the world today, where everyone like because everyone has a voice. Um, everyone wants to be hypercritical, and everyone wants to kind of like you know have the hottest take on something. Um, I, I think that's part of like just the problem that we're in, especially like right now with COVID nineteen, and, and like you see all these. Um, See, we didn't even try to go for a brand name there. We just we just went for the for the super technical name. Um, but everyone has an opinion about something, and I think it's such a toxic environment to do that. I mean, it, again, it, with the COVID nineteen and you know people talking about you know the conspiracies behind it, and for a while you know people thought it was like fucking five G networks or some stupid shit like that. And then oh and then god. and then oh my god. And then and then and then people were also talking about uh, that it's you know a leftist you know propaganda machine for like to get Trump out of office and all this bullshit. But I also think that like that's the same thing. Like everything can be criticized by someone. It no, it doesn't matter how good it is, and sometimes it's someone literally just trolling because they have the ability to, to because they know that it will gain traction because it's going to outrage somebody. You know, we live in such an outrage culture, um, which I think is very harmful for our medium in particular because, you know, especially with something like Rotten Tomatoes, where I've seen like really awful reviews for something, and it's just because we we rely on those reviews to like go try something ourselves. It's just. It, it it poisons our mind to like actually have our own opinion and i think it's it's i think that just falls in line with like you know the finales and like i remember when everyone was outraged about it and i remember like trying to defend it to someone and they were just like no what like no but i was just like do you actually feel that way or are you just like kind of like on the side of like the majority which is saying that fuck this bullshit you know what i mean yeah yeah fully yeah yeah what do you think um What's something you've learned during COVID that you didn't expect you would ever learn? <laughs> oh, just shit. About, just about the world. That's a good question. Um, I would say something that I've learned that I, w that I wouldn't expect was... I, I guess it's not necessarily what I learned, but what I experienced and what I experienced, or I guess, I guess I could say I learned is the fragility of the human spirit in a lot of people. I, so to give you a quick example, I was in, I was, I was in Los Angeles. Um, I had moved there like during the, right, right before the alternate and I had come up to do the alternate. And then when the alternate was finished, I went back and, you know, I started like my career in Los Angeles, blah, blah, blah. You know, I started doing commercial work. I was like going for like, you know, on camera stuff. And then everything hit and I was living down there and I was living with roommates. Uh, one of them was a married couple, which was a little awkward, but when this whole thing hit, they got super protective. And I guess like I can understand that. 
Um, so like I was down there with my partner and just for context, I had, I've, I've been with my partner for two and a half years now, right? You know, it's not just like some fly by night, you know, type of relationship. And so I wanted to be with my partner during this time because like no one knows what's going to happen. Right. Um, and right. We're, we're fucking still here. We're still here. And, but they got so sensitive with her staying there and also with the whole rent thing. I said, I'm not paying rent. I'm not paying rent because I had lost a, a theater contract that, that was coming up. Um, I still haven't gotten paid for a couple of national commercials that I've done. Um, and so like no one knew where the money was coming. So I said, I'm not paying rent and I also want to stay with my partner. And it shouldn't have been a huge deal. Right. Because like we have a separate room. It's right. not like we all live in a fucking communal living room or some shit like that. And they were so defensive about it. They were so like very irritated about it. And in a way, I've never seen them before. And so I knew that the pandemic had broken them to an extent, had made them nervous. And I understand um, the, the husband in the couple was also a performer. And so he had lost work as well. But like their fragility about the whole situation in which I would hope that people would come together um, was not that. And I've also seen it with a lot of other people too. Um, sometimes it's you know there's mental health there so i don't want to necessarily say fragility because mental health is a real thing and i just want to acknowledge that but i also especially think now. that huh i was just to say especially now like I, I think especially almost now. everyone has some deteriorating mental health from this i don't, I don't know yeah but I, I feel like people inhabit a world where everyone has a little bit of PTSD. For sure, for sure, and that's and that's 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 understandable. But like I've seen people with mental health not you know lash out in a certain way, and they lashed out in a certain way, a very passive aggressive, very toxic way, and in which I saw their spirit crack because you know the foundation of life had cracked, and everyone's foundation of life is cracked, right? I mean, you just said it, like people are like permanently probably going to have PTSD from this. I've seen it, I saw an article about it yesterday. It's just like, you know, the, the long-term uh, health effect on, uh, on, on, or the long-term effect on mental illness because of, uh, because of the coronavirus. And so something I learned is just like how fragile people really are. And, and again, for context, like I grew up in the projects. I grew up ridiculously poor stage. Like I, I, was, I was telling my girlfriend the other day, I was like, I remember like one time, like my mom went downstairs to get a snack and like the you know bullets hit the hit the kitchen door and it was just like i've seen people get murdered like right outside of my fucking window so like for me like this whole thing is like fuck it sucks but like you know me i'm just like all right i i, I know somehow we're gonna get through this and maybe not but like we're gonna we're gonna go down like fighting you know and like my my i've, I've been a little frazzled during this time too because you, know, you just don't know but like and it, everyone has that ability to do so. I don't want to necessarily judge people who have like felt a certain way because I have, but I've seen people absolutely fucking crack. And it just goes to show me that some people have lived in such a sheltered world for most of their life that as soon as anything goes awry, they fucking crack. They bundle. They, they, completely, they completely just shudder. And it's not me casting judgment upon them it's just me learning something about them because i've been around some really fucking resilient people um who are even more resilient than i am who have gone through much more than fucking COVID 19 right they've gone through abuse they've yeah. gone through poverty they've gone through a bunch of other shit and i've seen them stay fucking rock solid right and this thing has not scared them i'm talking about a lot of family members and people that i grew up with I mean, this thing to them is just like what like my whole life has been controversy but i've also seen a lot but but just in juxtaposition to the people who have not dealt with that same thing again once there's a crack in the foundation they they have completely cracked um and i've seen that in multiple people that was just you know my my ex-roommates at this point that, that was just one example 
um, but I've seen it in a lot of other people too um, in various situations. And that's something that I've learned, just like how fragile that some people are, um, especially with professions, because like in a profession like ours, like where we're freelance artists, um, I've talked to a lot of, you know, freelancers, actors, um, you know, Hilton, who's an AD, people who work behind the camera yourself, who, and we haven't necessarily talked about this, so I can't necessarily talk for us, but I'm sure we, we're probably going to hit upon it. But like as freelancers, we know the uncertainty of jobs a lot of the times, right? Like I talk to actors all the time who like, we just know that like, we don't know when the next check is coming, but we know we have to hustle to get there, right? And so like right yeah. now, we especially don't know when the next check is coming, but there's there's a part of us that, you know, there's familiarity here, right? And so like, I'm kind of like, well, okay, uh, um, okay, you know, th- you know, we'll come up with something, right? But a lot of people who whose whose professions have been decapitated by this whole thing don't have that same resilience or that same you know ability to think on their toes um and so i've I've seen also like the foundation or the fragility in people like who don't have that same resilience because their professions or their entire lives was based off of like that quote unquote security that's actually non-existent um so that's what i've learned just just the fragility of people and just the fragility of like our whole world at large because people are still like trying to open up their businesses to to um to survive to putting themselves on the line you know it's, it's almost counterintuitive right you're putting yourself on the lot you're putting yourself on the line by opening up or going to work to survive when you're putting yourself at risk which might make you not survive you know what i mean um yeah yeah that's what i've learned or that's uh, yeah that's what i've learned and that's also what's been the most apparent to me yeah. How about yourself? What, yeah. what have you learned? Oh, um, so I, the biggest initial surprise was how many people were just, were just ready for a pandemic, not like prepared, <laughs> but just mentally ready to just shut down oh, and just, yeah. no, there is a virus going around that's going to destroy society. And I, I'm, and here's the thing, like, technically these people were, were, were right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I can't like judge too much at it, but the only thing that our generation and, and every generation going basically back to polio and Spanish flu has to compare to this is the, well, I think there are actually other coronaviruses like SARS, H1N1, and all yeah. the stuff that people were worried was going to come out of usually Asia, maybe exclusively Asia. I know I'm also forgetting about like five or six other like like things that people thought were going to be pandemics but they just you know they just died in china and korea and yeah. never really made it over here whether ebola that's another example apparently there's um, a bubonic plague or like something along those lines that that is <laughs> that they have two cases for over there so we'll see how that plays out and we're you know we're gonna have just another flu season coming up uh, hopefully that's everyone right. just gets their shots and it's still i mean i don't know if this is accurate or not but in my head like every time i Every time I cough, every time I sneeze, my, my, my mind isn't, oh, no, I have COVID. My mind is like, oh, there's still so many other normal diseases and like yeah. things that can compromise my immune system that exists. It yeah. still seems more likely to me that I would get flu or just the cold than COVID, or at least with the precautions that I'm taking. But, uh, yeah, no, I was just surprised how many people just before shutdowns were ordered, uh, I would try to like hang out with friends and they're just like, no, I'm staying inside. Like society is destroying. At this point, it's still <laughs> basically just in like China and Italy, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, 
again, these people weren't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's still kind of crazy that that's crazy to me that that's where their head was and that's yeah. how they were prepared for it. That's, and that's, I'm, uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was saying across the board, uh, it's been fascinating to see people you know and how they respond to it. I watched people that I've grown up with uh, drift uh, far right. Um, the idea that like, well, it's been three months that I haven't actually gotten coronavirus. Uh, so clearly it must be a hoax. It must be yeah. Yeah. somehow both caused by 5G and a hoax. I don't know. I grew yeah. up I grew up in the woods in Alaska. I've 5G leftists. Very far right acquaintances. <laughs> and I've also seen people drift so far left that it doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see how people just react in general just to get a better sense of who people actually are. I'm sorry, that's, that's, my, that's my girlfriend's father speaking in the background. <laughs> so if you hear somebody just howling. Um, I was ready for the break. Um, I was and I wasn't because I, was I was at a pretty interesting point where I had just joined the union for theater. And so, like, you know, it, those prospects were looking up because I was like, well, finally, I get to get, like, you know, a livable wage when I work in, you know, in theater because, you know, theater sometimes will pay you fucking dirt. Um mm -hmm mostly because they don't have the money but and and also just because like yeah but but i had also just moved to los angeles and i was ready for that to to take off and so there, there was two aspects of my life and you know I had, we had just done the alternate and a movie that i was in just got on netflix so it seemed like all of these things were shooting up and i was just but i was also running on fumes like I, I i'll be honest like it took it took me five years since moving out to california just to get to this spot where i'm at today and i guess like i was okay but like i was running on fumes because it takes constant work and so i wanted so badly for a long break um i remember after we shot the ultimate i had like two weeks and i was trying to use that as much as possible but it just wasn't enough and then and then when we got back to you know the regular grind I was just like, fuck, like, you know, I barely had time to catch up and now I have to like go even further, you know, when it comes to money and when it comes to everything. Um, but when this thing happened, I was ecstatic. I was so fucking ecstatic. Unfortunately, people are dying. So like, you know, everything is yeah. bittersweet. But like for myself, I didn't have to go to an audition. I didn't have to do shit. You know, I've done a, like a, a lot of like video auditions, um, which has been a huge thing, but that's not, you know, to me, that's nothing, you know, that's, it's like, you know, setting up something and like, you know, playing pretend for like, you know, 30 minutes, you know, it's, it's more in the setup than it is in the performance. And I, and I enjoy doing them, but it's like, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to like waste, you know, put aside a whole day for an audition. I don't have to do anything. Like I can just finally breathe and just kind of watch what's going on. And like, I, that's been, unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, a fun thing and yet a bittersweet thing is kind of like actually pay, being able to pay attention to what's going on in the world and like have the like mental capacity for it because like I'm not focused on a career because like everyone's career is at a standstill um now it's starting to get a little like somber because I'm like fuck I don't ever know when things are going to come back but like you know it's been such a great you know fresh breath of fresh air of just like you know just nothing especially for again for our career but like now i'm ready to go back but like it took the three months like the three months were like i feel so recharged i, I feel like i can go for, for like 15 years now because i've had the breath i've had you know the, the, the opportunity to breathe and collect myself to a certain degree because i'm also watching the world fucking burn around me with like you know you know the protests happening because someone was fucking murdered again in broad daylight you know somebody's fucking kneeling on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds um but 
but it, it was a great breath for me just to kind of like just recoup and like also feel like I'm just part of like humanity for a second because I'm able to like sympathize because I have the time I have the emotional capacity to sympathize because I'm not like going and trying to audition for like a million fucking things so it was for me it was a little bit of a positive there was a silver lining in there I can relate to some of that and definitely not relate to a lot of it so I also uh right after I got back from Egypt I moved down to LA Nice. I was uh, hanging out, hanging out with my homie Gavin for a month at his place, and like looking for an apartment, uh, looking for a new car uh, because mine got totaled like right before the alternate. I was nah. basically living at set, uh, so yeah, no, that was the other reason I was glad to to be able to jump on the alternate because it solves a lot of problems. Yeah, <laughs> and, like either I mean I did get picked up some days by like Hilton's cousin, uh, but like that's that's not great for anyone to have to have someone else arrange your transportation to set. Yeah. Um, but so my, I had like a month where I was, where I was moving, where I wasn't working. Um, and then I came back up to San Francisco for like a week and did some jobs, but I've got to work four days since the alternate in December till now. I've worked four days in 2020. Wow. And uh, I'm in a new market now. And like, you know, I've, I've joined the union, I've done a lot of steps, but I'm not even really able to, to network, which was yeah. my plan. It was like, I'm not going to be working a lot in LA. I'm going to have to get to know people and I'm going to have to not jump to take smaller jobs to network because I'm like past the point where I can get away doing that. Yeah. Um, Especially I just in the buy union. a lot of drinks and yeah. I gotta, yeah, exactly. Like I don't get to, to do that anymore. Not that I especially want to, I'm 31 now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, at the same time, I do want to just, I want to work. I want to do things just to, to hone my skills and to get out of the house more. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So it's such a strange time where for me and a lot of people who weren't moving during that process, like January, February till mid-March are kind of dead months to begin with. Yeah. So, yeah. so those are the times where I'm already kind of like stressing and recharging and then, um, and then you just get, I'm going to call it three months because that's what it's been so far. But I'll tell you, I was listening to your conversation with Ulrich actually earlier today. Oh, and thanks, dude. He casually like said, I mean, it's research. <laughs> <laughs> um, he casually said like, this could still be going on in July. And like, that's for sure. It's like a joke now. Like uh. we're still in it. Um, <laughs> things will get better and they'll get worse and they'll get better. And yeah. this, you know, we'll figure it out at some point, but like, it's not a three month thing. No, I, I think it's going to last until oh, most of us have figured out January. how to make it normal. Till, yeah. Till what? January. All right. Yeah. At the earliest. And I'll say a lot of people are are complaining, rightfully so, that like our government isn't isn't stepping up and taking care of its population the way oh. a lot of places in the world are. But I'll tell you, um, as a freelancer, I didn't think our government would do a damn thing for me. And oh, yeah. came through yeah. and uh, like some stuff with unemployment insurance mm -hmm. pushed in. And like, I found out for the first time, I was like, Oh, unemployment insurance is actually like something you were already supposed to pay into. <laughs> and mm. that's why it doesn't necessarily apply to like people who work mostly on 1099s. Yeah. And I'm one of the many people who do W2 and 1099 work. And I kind of got screwed over that way. And I'm not able to, uh, make as much on unemployment as some of my friends who do who do the exact same job as me and make the same amount of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, I'm pretty 
grateful and just happy that there's any support network there. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think there would be. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think you're, you're right. I've been grateful too, because honestly, unemployment has, has saved my ass. The whole, I, I set up right, right when we got on lockdown and I got mine faster than most people. And so it's helped me, but it also finishes this month. And when we also think about the trajectory of this thing, we probably haven't even hit the climax. And so like there have been petitions going around. So I encourage you to sign any of the petitions of just extending this towards the end of the year. Um, because yeah. we're going to need that, especially in the theater community too, because the theater community, Broadway, the Mecca has shut down until 2021, most likely until March of 2021. And there are a lot of theater companies, especially in the Bay Area, where I started to like, um, where, where I began working and, and where I've done most of my work recently. And one of the theaters I was supposed to be working with right now, I think we would have been finishing the run of our show, um, might completely just go under. And they're one of the bigger theater companies in the Bay Area. Like I was looking at a contract of like $1,000 a week, which is a lot for, you know, theater out here. It's not a lot for theater like, in big regional houses or in New York, but it's a lot out here, you know, a thousand dollars a week for a fucking actor. I'll take that, right? Just acting 40 hours out of the week. But so like, they might not exist in like a year. And so like, th there are a lot of artists who are gonna continue. So like, but it, again, like, I think you, you're right. I'm grateful as well, but it's also a fucking drop in the bucket. I mean, we think about, what do we get the first stimulus check? You know, April 15th for most of us, right? That was like the medium of it. Like, you know, between, you know, some people got it a week earlier, some people got it. I got it around that time. It's it's uh, May, June, it, it's almost July 15th and we haven't seen another one. So like $1,200 for like, you know, three months, what the fuck is that? You know, and they're still going back and forth whether they want to give us another one. You know, at some point it was like $2,000 a month for the next six months. And I was like, right, that's the government taking care of us, right? Because like, I, I've never been on unemployment before. For me, it's a pride thing. And so, and and like, it took a lot for me to like sign up, but I was just like, it's literally life or death right now. And yeah, I just, I, I think very it's resistant. not enough. It's not enough. It's it's not enough. And we're, we're, we're fucking screwed right now. If they do not step in and do something, we're fucking, we're, right. we're going to be obliterated. Like it's, I, I laugh about it, but it's also, it's awful. Like a lot, a lot of people have already decided that they're not going to, continue to to make art because there's no money in it but it's it, like we this is going to have lasting effects if things got back tomorrow it's just it's just not going to happen like that like this is whether COVID-19 lasts another year or another month it's going to like the effects of it will last yeah. far beyond another year and so it's it's a drop in the bucket and I'm starting I'm starting to get frustrated because again we're in July and like you know the CARES Act ends in July I think they're going to revamp it I think they, they just have to have some sort of community maybe I yeah i mean you know like i said the the compassion at the top has exceeded my expectations but yeah like, i'm still pretty so far and the other the other way you can look at all the like um i gotta think of a different word than entitlements because they're not entitlements because the other way that you can think of it is all the money whether it's stimulus or unemployment exceptions or like various business loans some of which i've been fortunate enough to be able to take part of is also, oh, that's awesome this administration cut their pandemic response just at the beginning for really i don't know to give more money to the military or some shit but like mm. every like administrations before this were ready for something like this had a plan in place yeah there's money set aside and you know trump cut that shit so in a way like you're responsible for this shit and you owe us yeah like this was your job to have a plan in place so that we could be, you know, Italy's already going back to work. Places in the world are just, a lot of them are basically business as usual, except like 
markets for international trade and people coming in. Different Europe is opening yeah. up. A lot of Europe is opening up its international travel, and guess who is not allowed to go to Europe right now? <laughs> yeah, it's it's us. Uh, it's yeah. I it's, pointed at, at myself, but I realize people can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, he, he was pointing at himself, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it, it it is interesting. I think. Fuck. What was I gonna say? It doesn't matter. I lost my thought. Um, it's a nice little silence in the pot. <laughs> Did it finish? Yeah. I don't. I don't remember what the fuck I was gonna say. But it, I, I don't know. It's just it's continuing to go on the the whole pandemic response. It's um, they're going to. I. They're just going to have to because there's already been civil unrest for the murder of of a man who wasn't supposed to be killed. And like, what do you think, you know, especially now because everyone is so wound up. I think that's why this protest in particular, it's part of the reason, you know, it was a perfect storm because people were wound up and then they saw it and they really had nothing else to like absorb their attention. Cause you, this has happened yeah. before. This has happened. I mean, Eric Garner happened like five years ago. It's not like, like you had to take off work to go to protest. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so if you like try and put people back to work, first of all, there's not going to be enough jobs, especially like in the service industry, like in things like that, because like they're not, not everyone's going to want to go there. And like theater artists in particular, we don't have jobs. There's going to be a lot of performing artists. There's going to be a lot of people who have the time to just start civil unrest. And so it's going to happen if there isn't an immediate response to the lack of money that people have. People are going to be homeless more than ever because like all of these moratoriums on the evictions, like, it, yeah. it's sure it's been generous you know thank you but also fuck you like we should have had way more right we should be on like our fourth stimulus check right now right and not because we want hand-me-downs but because look like, no. we pay so much into the government like it's you know the government forgets a lot of the times that they're in service of the people but obviously like it was never actually built upon that that's all rhetoric but it's it that's 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 what it's supposed to be right and so like we're gonna hold you accountable to that and so like there are still gonna be people who don't have the ability to go to work and so who do you think is gonna like where people are going to respond to this like lack of uh empathy this lack of like um work it's it's so funny because again going back to the people's history of the united states it's that um there was so much civil unrest before unions started and all of this and the only reason why they were able to you know um um, sever it is because of military um, influence and they would just always send in the militia but like people are going to realize that there's more of us than there are of you and when that actually happens and it takes into full effect I mean, it's different now because you know you have military grade weapons that are far beyond fucking bayonets but it, there's still going to be a huge response and it's going to be an aggressive response, whether it's by physical force or whether it's like literally just by legislate legislature or legislation um, it, there, there's going to be a response to it and if you want to stay in power you have to like find a way to like stay in power and the only way you're going to stay in power is if you actually appease the people whose needs need to be met because there's much more of us than there are of you and i think more than ever especially you know going back to the whole reason you know people are able to critique everything because they have a voice because of social media and because of the internet more than ever people are realizing that power and like once we realize that power and we realize that there's more of us than there are of them then there's going to be a major swing in power a major just swing in 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 I, I guess like in in favoritism of like whatever side you know are we gonna favor the rich or are we gonna favor like the poor the masses um it's my small rant on stimulus checks that's good that's good 
I hope so, man. I hope so. I, I, I hope because I have so many friends in the industry and like, I remember, I, I don't want, I don't want to, but people have been talking about like getting married, buying houses, you know, because they finally found a foundation in the arts and you know how hard yeah. it is to get there. I know how hard it is to get there. And all of that has, we just got smacked in the fucking face. And it's not just like, people are going back to work already, but it's, it's gonna be slow, it's gonna be slow. And so all of these things have stopped and a lot of people that I know are being affected by it and I fucking hate it. And that shit is just, it's bothering me. And I just hope that there is more of a response to help alleviate that because if, if we can't create, that's going to suck because we're all artists at the end of the day. And so we want to create, we want to make things. But if we can like not have to worry about the money, find a different way to create things, I think we're going to be okay for now, right? We're going to find a way to like, you know, um, uh, innovate and we're going to find a way. I had Jason, uh, Josipher on here. I had like the whole cast of the alternate and he was talking about how they're, he's looking forward to making or, or he's looking forward to what possibly might be a sort of renaissance in filmmaking in which because of the safety precautions that you have to take you take you take your time with things right not everything is a fucking rush not everything is run and gun i would appreciate that but i think i would appreciate that much more and i'd be able to contribute to that much more if i didn't have to worry about my bills yeah that's the thing is it's still it's still a business and i i don't even mean at the top i mean like this is how i feed myself when the government stops giving me money for food <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is I would love more time, but that means things are going to cost more, which means like, you know, a movie like the alternate or any of the other like smaller projects that I work on are just gonna, are just gonna cost more. Cause like, I yeah. can't, I can't lower my labor to spread it out across more time necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like there's, yeah. there's opportunity cost involved and there's just like, you know, I've, I've worked hard to be where I am just as simple as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic because from a creative standpoint, there there is a lot of opportunity to tell new types of stories. You know, it's so weird. I can see this week internationally, a lot of bigger productions are going back to work. Mission Impossible 7, Avatar 2 through 13. Fuck Tom Cruise. Uh, which, I mean, that's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> we could talk about that later. I'm sure we will. Um, I have I, I a, I always think about like Avatar is like realistically Avatar is like two to four people in a room and that room's in New Zealand, which solved their shit in like the yeah. first three weeks. Yeah. So like, yeah, that could go filming. Um, but like, it's going to be weird knowing a movie was filmed during a pandemic, but it's still, you know, Tom Cruise jumping from train to train and just like no one's wearing a mask in this entire movie that was filmed in fall of 2020. <laughs> yeah. 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 David Leitch has starting to film a movie with like brad pitt that's just like an action movie set on a train and it's just like who's on a train right now i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a train where none of the passengers are wearing masks yeah everyone is just gonna yeah, set it's their it's movie already weird to watch tv shows where people hug each other when they meet i yeah. went on a date the other day which is already dangerous enough and like we've been talking long enough yeah <laughs> your eyes got big <laughs> It was a social distance date, but like you know, it started. I'm like, oh no, I can't, I can't hug you at the beginning of this date. That's a new form of intimacy, right? Just even getting like right, within yeah. like uh, like arms distance. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The few like, hugs I've had during the vid. There it is, the vid. During the vid, uh, you got it. During the vid, 
uh, like they've just meant so fucking much. Like I, my birthday was a couple weeks ago, and like Happy I made people give me hugs. Yeah. <laughs> like I assumed the risk. It was also like the one week where things were were open. Like I, I got a spot in K Town. My roommate took me out to like a nice Korean barbecue, and like nice. I felt safe enough. But it was five of us eating around a table without a mask. People that I knew and for the most part trusted and like and made yeah. that decision. And every other table was like unavailable and X stuff. Every other is in like um uh, like one and yeah. then not one and then one. Yeah. Not we had the whole restaurant. And then afterwards, like there was a bar open and we went to a bar and we were outside drinking at a table, but it's kind of self-regulated. The only rules that they put in place were you wear a mask at the actual bar because you don't fuck with our staff. You can do whatever yeah. you want to each other. It's business as usual. But how and do you even like, maybe I'm like so glad I got to have that experience once. But yeah. Fuck me. That was not safe. I wouldn't do it again if it was maybe case by case maybe there'd be like one bar that's taking it more seriously but like the fun parts of going to a bar you know talking to a stranger dancing yeah. with your friends whatever yeah. like those parts aren't safe drinking outside with the movie um that was cool yeah. i'm yeah. very yeah i i miss it i miss it a lot and i think that's most of the reason why i started doing this this podcast again because it, it was like on a hiatus because like i just have shit to do and i'm just like and I've actually never talked to anyone on a po- on this podcast before. It was mostly like tips for actors. Uh, um, and I guess it still kind of is. I mean, it's like the perspective of like the industry and like me talking to like people in the industry and like kind of seeing like what they've been doing during the vid. Um, see, now we said it twice. Now it's official. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, but it's, I, I miss that human interaction. And I took it for granted because like in this industry, you have that for free because it's, you are automatically communicating with people whether you want to or not. And sometimes it's great because you meet great people. Like I met yourself, I met Hilton, I met all these amazing people on set before the vid happened. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's a yeah, method. No, that's what it is. I'm going to be rich. It's set in stone. I'm, I'll, I'll give you full credit, man. You came up with it. Um, yeah, just, just always acknowledge that you started it right here on this podcast and, and I'll be cool. I don't want any money, anything like that. Everything else will just fall in for me. Um, but yeah, it's it's... I, I miss that. And that's why I have these things. But I also, I, I just, I, I personally, I can't do it, man, because I don't want to be responsible for someone else's death. But it is weird to see those things. And um, a lot of the shows I remember watching, I was like watching bits of like the Daily Show and like the Tonight Show. And like when they first started doing it with no audience and how awkward it was. And just oh, going back and seeing an audience there, I'm like, whoa, like it's only been three months. But it's so crazy how like, just like, that's imprint imprinted in your mind about just how the world is now and you're thinking about oh you know before the vid and it, that was three months ago but i think you know, i think from, we're in here for the long haul from a behind the camera perspective i am so worried that people will get used to that type of that type of news especially in like the late shows i say that because they all just sound like ass there's no one like treating the space they're using whatever mic they sent out there oh, yeah. so like the hardest thing for all those and they've gotten a little bit better now is they've had more time mm-hmm. uh but they're still like in these hollow spaces and there's like a lot of reverb and these are basically live shows yeah like, sounds like this no podcast one's going in and treating the sound later unless <laughs> someone cursed and they have to bleep it up yeah um uh, but like that's that's my job, and if people get used to stuff like that and they don't oh, need, because yeah. the truth is like, I'm I'm a perfectionist in my job. Like I try to 
design the sound and record it for the person listening with the very nice i everything i record i record for a big screen even if mm. it's gonna be watched on someone's phone mm. but like if everyone's comfortable watching it on their phone like yeah. they don't need to hire someone with my equipment and expertise and that is terrifying to me yeah yeah I, I can feel that because something that's also terrifying to me is that you mentioned it earlier is the big movies doing all these things and the big movies just have a lot of money behind them and they have big names right you know yeah. tom cruise is doing mission impossible 75 and you're just like oh that's a familiar title but there's also a lot of money backing it but like me like someone who is like kind of like on the cusp of like trying to break through like just getting through um was I, I think I will be left aside if things keep going the way they are. And like a lot of the gigs that I did on the side to like survive, like I was just looking into background work in Los Angeles, which for me was a little bit of a, a hit to my ego because like, you know, just starring it in like this indie film. And I was just like, you know, I have a movie on Netflix, blah, 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 right? And I was just like, fuck, now I gotta take background work because like I'm in a different market. And like, it was like you were saying, you know, yeah. I'm trying to like, you know, reestablish myself. I'm not trying to like, like I have this resume, but it, the resume is just good enough for me to just be in LA. You know, they're like, okay, you know, you're okay. Like you That's have a resume. That's how I'm feeling now too. Yeah. yeah, it's like you can be here, but that doesn't mean shit. That doesn't mean you're gonna get work here, but you can be here. We'll, we'll accept you here. You can, you know, step foot inside. That's how I was feeling. And now it's just like, I can't do background work because there's gonna be limited background work because because you can't have a lot of background extras. A lot of the times that I was a background, I was part of like a larger group that oh, they, yeah, they would all right. herd us together like a, like a fucking flock of sheep. And, and you can't do that anymore. So like I'm losing out on work in that aspect. Where's my work gonna come from? Oh, yeah, we're gonna see a lot more CGI crowds. Seriously, seriously. Or it's gonna be shot in such a particular way that you can just imagine that there's a background or, or, or background people there. Maybe like one person crosses the street but like it, it's it's going to be so much more limited. It's 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 going to be rough, and so I really hope the government does step in and, and maybe some implement some like permanent things, like maybe like bring in fucking Andrew Yang and like get that universal basic income finally through. Because I feel like that's something that like you know people like a year ago were like, oh, that's you know radical thinking, and now just like oh fuck. Now we've kind of got a test case for it, and it's like you know save my ass. Yeah, save I mean, like, my ass. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I, I had enough money saved up like to make the move. And like, if, if shit ends in July, I'll be okay until I work. But like, it also would suck to spend like all of my money on existing just because there wasn't a plan in place for this yeah. because there was a plan and then it just got removed out of probably spite. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you also look at it too. And it's like, finite. like I've been able to save the bulk of like what I've been getting on unemployment and hopefully like these you know these payments that i was supposed to get start coming in but then i'm sort of looking at it in a, in a finite way it's just like okay like once i have this and once like you know this this unemployment stops like if it doesn't like continue towards the end of the year i have this amount of money to get me through this this amount of months if i just spend it on bills and i'm yeah. like whoa 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 uh, I mean, at man. least i know what like my lowest monthly expense can be I yeah. mean, the inability to actually really do anything. I mean, it's like my, like what I'm spending money on is just my bills. A lot of which have been reduced um, because I'm an unemployed individual now and I can yeah. apply for a lot of things I never thought would be like, yeah, I still haven't figured it out, but I'm technically on some sort of Medicare. <laughs> All Get I know food is stamps, my buddy. catastrophic medical insurance. Yeah. So that's that last level. Like I was so resistant to unemployment in general Same. until it's yeah. like, well, there's no other option. I am even more resistant to getting off on food stamps. I, I don't know why I can't defend it, but like yeah. I haven't made 
but you know if the rest of that money moves out like i won't be too proud for food stamps yeah yeah so was i man it's 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 still something that like i i remember i had a stepfather who was on food stamps and he was just he, he just lived off on him he lived off the system i can't stand that shit and so like signing up was the biggest blow to my ego and so was food stamps was the biggest blow to my ego but i'm, I'm just trying to think about like the long term and like just trying to preserve myself for now um yeah and just also as a person of color i'm just like you know what the fucking government like i've been through enough of your bullshit um, <laughs> um and th- this is my version of reparations um yeah man yeah uh yeah yeah and so so you've been working on um the podcast and you were also working on sort of your travel guide what else have you been working on I, I think i'm still working on that yeah um not i mean it's i mean there's at least been an opportunity to catch up on all the tvs and movies uh yeah. that i always told myself i would i yeah. started like self-educating a lot of classics and uh especially with what's going on i've used it as an opportunity to watch a lot of like black cinema and like mm. african history and stuff like that um like i think june which in my head is now just black history month i watched at almost every day like you know a spike lee film or even nice. like some of the black exploitation things yeah. um something i've always wanted to do anyway but i mean one there's a cultural re- incentive for yeah. it at this moment mm-hmm. and two like you know amazon netflix hulu everyone just made a bunch of shit available that wasn't just- before flooded the fucking streaming yeah. services a lot yeah. of them even if you don't have the streaming service you can go right now and watch i think oh, like Amazon, i don't know if you might even be able to watch last black man in san francisco without an actual amazon prime account right now i don't know i might go so, check like, that out because i, I i've been wanting to see that for a while yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i know a there, there's a couple worked on it oh yeah no that's that's something else that I, like well a lot of people that i met after the fact had worked on it and so that's why i'm like oh i need to absolutely watch this just yeah out of respect for that um there's a lot of uh historical documentaries that uh, there's a the james baldwin i am not your negro that's on the netflix yeah um, i saw it a couple years ago but uh, i was still need to get it. around to that it's it's really good man james baldwin it's just i mean you start to the, the thing about like the black history too is like you, you hear about like you know two people like martin luther king jr maybe sometimes malcolm x depending on where you are in the country mostly Finally just watch that movie such a fucking great movie that's really good so great yeah. oh sure man we'll talk about that when we talk about training day because that performance oh absolutely by the way we're, we're doing that tomorrow right yeah what time are we doing that again uh i gotta look it up i think it's like three or four but I'll, oh that's I'll, perfect i'll send you a thing yeah me and my partner have like an audition like zoom thing at, at 12 so that's perfect um right, cool. yeah no I, I training day was my favorite performance of his and i remember watching malcolm x when i was younger but i didn't appreciate it as much and now after watching it i've had to reevaluate my favorite movie I, with denzel i think it's my favorite denzel performance honestly malcolm x, it's yeah. like it's too different i mean malcolm x is too I mean that's why it's like three and a half hours yeah it's two hour and a half movies yeah and then like a prison part that kind of breaks them and like at the end of it like the first part of malcolm's like younger thug days and like his criminal enterprise yeah. only exists so that you can watch moments of his performance later and like understand it yeah like, when yeah. he is malcolm x when he's converted he denzel will he'll break and he'll get angry for like a second and then like 
recompose himself yeah. and like that second is the first hour of the movie that you yeah, watched and absolutely it's, me it's great and it's so real too as like a person like especially like if you've changed like i don't i don't know like if you have had like a major changing point in your life but like for me like there's there's a there's points in my life today where i like revert back to how i used to be and i have to like catch myself and so that was such a like just a relatable um aspect to the movie and a relatable dimension um but i also think um my favorites no I, this is a completely different thought my favorite scene in that movie is um so he's obviously amazing when he's like malcolm x fully realized but my favorite scene is the russian roulette scene um yeah. oh my god it's so fucking good speaking of the actor who he's um um working across from his name is michael Genevoir Smith. He was also in uh, Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee. He has a one-man show on Netflix about Rodney King. I started watching it All yesterday, right. but but it's very, but it's literally a one-man show. Um, but also in a random ass fact, um, I lived in Silver Lake when I was living in Los Angeles before the vid happened. And um, we're calling it the vid now, babe. Okay. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would run into him because uh, there's like a, a, a reservoir there um, and like a, a path where like a lot of runners uh, run. So I would, I would go for my runs there and I would always run into him. And I was like, where have I seen you? Um, and it was in Do the Right Thing um, and just other Spike Lee movies because he's like a, a, a big actor from like the 90s. I think he went to Yale. But it, it's just a random S fact. I also randomly ran into Polly Shore one day at the reservoir. LA is a weird place. Uh, I'm sure you've yeah. noticed by now. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to run into people walking around because no one's outside their houses. That's but, right. When did you move to Los it? Angeles? March. Oh, I shit. Mean, like, yeah, no, it was literally like I got this apartment in Koreatown. I went up to San Francisco to work on a couple of gigs, and I had one cancel because of coronavirus. I came down here, and then Stay at Place ha happened. And then the person I moved in with moved back to, uh, like, NorCal, like uh, like, outside of Tahoe. Oh, wow. Um, paid through for like the next month and very hard to, and then I had to find another roommate. I had like six weeks to do it, so it was fine, but yeah. like it's a hard time to to find someone to move into a place. I'll tell you that. I found yeah. two people that I wanted to live here. Yeah. And uh, one of them was able to. So. Wow. Yeah, that's, 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 that's one, I, that's the one thing. So that's I've never like... gotten to experience fun LA. Yeah. I've only gotten the heat. <laughs> I haven't really experienced fun LA either. I think there's something disgusting about LA that makes me like hesitant to like enjoy it because there's a, I'm sure there's, yeah. there's a community there. You know, this is what I've learned or this is what people have told me. You have to go find the communities in Los Angeles as opposed to like other places you got kind of just stumbled upon it. Well, in San Francisco, yeah. I stumbled upon a lot of really cool people oh, yeah. because San Francisco is like you fucking trip and like you like run into a hippie who has like a million psychedelic stories about like, you know, San Francisco in the seventies. Um, it's, it's just easier First there. night I was here. First, the thing that made me move to San Francisco, uh, I was at like a punch bar in the hate, just talking to like this like black guy in his seventies, and just asking him questions about like how like San Francisco and Oakland used to be back in the day. And yeah. he goes to the bathroom, and someone else comes over. Is like, you do you know who that is? And I'd forgotten the actual name, but he was like, cause he was like an original Black Panther. <laughs> and he's just like drinking there. And I was talking, Whoa. I'm like, cool, I'm going to, I live here now. And then I moved to like next week. That's fucking incredible. I, oh man, I love San that. San Francisco finds you. <laughs> yeah. And so does Oakland like, the too. The community I, that you want to be a part of will find you. For sure. 
for sure. I remember I was I was I was living in uh, right around the corner from uh, I was living next to the lake. Um, that's where I was mostly recently living. But I found out that uh, fuck, what is his name? Is one of the founding one of the two founding members of the Black uh, Huey Newton um, lived in the apartment complex like right across the street, and that's also like. Uh, not where he was killed, but where he spent his last days. Um, but also, like, you see all the old Black Panther photos, and it's like, it, it's like right there, like, at City, Al Alameda Courthouse, and you're just like, what? It's just, it, it just, it just grabs you in a way that it's there, but I feel like in LA, you have to really search for it, because there's a bunch of just a facade of bullshit, um, because it's the industry. It's just a facade. Yeah. It's Unfortunately, I have enough industry friends that have moved down here that I uh, have as many, yeah. if not more, good friends in LA yeah. as I do in San Francisco. Like it's probably even uh, good. like I'm not really able to hang out with anyone anyway. So it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So it well, would be hopefully nice someone more familiar, but yeah, well, hopefully things get back because like me and my partner, we're literally just waiting and saving up the money, just waiting for the industry yeah. to go back. So we just move back down. Um, hopefully without living with another married couple, I'll never fucking do that again. Um, okay. Yeah, man. Um, Let's hang out when you're down here. Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. I, fuck it. I love talking to you, man. Have it was a, a good conversation. Yeah, I know. We'll have a drink. If, honestly, no, here's the thing, though. Like, uh, I miss the bar experience, but I don't miss the bar prices because, like, I will get a whole bottle of whiskey of, like, some really good stuff up here for, like, the same amount that, like, I would have paid for, like, drinks for myself and my partner. And I'm just like, this is the more efficient way to go. Um, if anything, COVID has made me, what I have learned is I'm more... I can be how do you want to spend your money exactly i you learned how that, i want yeah. to spend my money yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah so tomorrow three or four you can send me I, i'm free all yeah. fucking day tomorrow so you can send me whatever but i'm really excited to talk about training day for absolutely um, an hour and, uh, or so. watch it again tonight i almost watched it right before this but i knew we'd just end up talking about training day the whole podcast Dude, and that would be redundant you're absolutely right babe let's watch training day tonight you want oh, yeah, to you should definitely rewatch it it's it's like a quick ninety minute thrill ride. You've seen Trending Day with me multiple times. You know what's weird is that came up on the Facebook story that I saw it for the first time five years ago. Ooh. Well, I don't know. It's a five year anniversary. That's weird. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> weird movie to come up on. I know. Um, no, it seems like you know it well enough to talk about it. I'm not gonna oh tell you my it. fucking god! I'm obsessed with that movie. I'm also yeah. upset that Ethan Hawke never won Best Supporting Actor because he and yeah. Denzel were both up for the two actors for Best Supporting and Best Actor, and they didn't win. And I think the only tandem to ever do that. I could be wrong about this, but I remember Matt, uh, Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto both won for leading and supporting. Um, which wasn't as good of a movie or as good of, of performances, uh, performances. Yeah. I mean, those, yeah, they were I good. I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about that movie, but like, yeah, no. it's not, it's not training day. Yeah. It's also very underrated, just like cop drama too. I, I feel like the movie itself yeah. hasn't gotten enough respect. Um, as it have, should have. have you watched like many of other like David Ayer's LAPD movies? Or? I saw, I'm pretty sure he also directed um, last watch. End of watch. End of Watch, that's what it's called, which was also a really good movie. I, re I really enjoyed that movie. Um, I think I think it was slow to begin, but the finish was really strong. Um, but I just, Training Day, though, like, as soon as you see Denzel, it's, you know what yep. I mean? It's it's one of the most charismatic performances I've ever seen in my fucking life. And it, it but it's also just him. Like, because you watch his other work, and you're like, oh, this is creeping in. But I feel like that was, like, the crescendo of that personality in yeah, a way that's that... pure Denzel. Yeah for sure that's yeah that's raw uncut unfiltered and it's it's amazing yeah, we'll save it for tomorrow yeah yeah no no we'll save it for tomorrow uh uh thanks for being on the podcast man it was great talking to you absolutely
Yeah, and uh, I, apparently we're going to pick it up uh, tomorrow. So I'm really excited. I'm actually about to put on the movie right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll let you get to it. All right, brother. I'll talk to you tomorrow. You know what? I think we'll end the discussion right now. Then we could. You got it. Have a nice fight, Mike. Off.